We all say we want to have a blessed life, but what does that really mean? Is it simply having a nice car, a big house, new clothes? What if a blessed life isn't what you think? What if it's more about what you give away than what you hold on to? What if it's more about the contents of your heart than the contents of your bank account? How do we really live the blessed life? See you today. I'm glad to welcome those worshiping with us online. Glad you could be here for this series. We started last Sunday. It's six weeks long, and I want to encourage you to be here for all the messages, or at least try to go online and watch them so that you can be kept up to date about what's going on and what you can learn. Uh, people have learned a lot through this series, uh, and we did it once before years ago. We also did a Bible study with it, a class study that we'll be offering again as well. And so I hope that it's beneficial to you. Now, I want to talk about tithing today, and I want you to understand what tithing is. Sometimes people say, I gave my tithe, but it's really not 10% they gave. They gave an offering. The tithe is the first 10% of all that we receive, and it comes from God, and we give it back to Him. Why? Because we want to show Him that we love Him. It's a tangible way for us to be obedient and do what He has taught us to do from the Bible. So we're going to give you a lot of scriptural references today. To help you understand, if it's a new concept to you, relax. It'll be okay. You can do it. Somebody came up to me in the last service after it was over, and they said, if the tithe is the first 10% that you give, is there a percentage that you're supposed to give in gifts and offerings in addition to that? <clears throat> and I said, yes. Yes, there is. No. No, there's really not. I'm just being facetious. That was my... Is the microphone on? It was my... my it's okay for you to chuckle if you... If there was anything funny to laugh at, maybe you might. Okay. Are you still, is everybody in here? Okay, good, good. I'm glad. Okay. So no, there's no percentage. So you can give a gift and an offering above. It's God's tithe and our gifts and offerings. And we're going to talk about that. Offering to God is the first 10th of our income. Now, let me ask you, when you were going through school, did you ever go to school and you forgot about a test that you were supposed to take? Anybody ever do that? Just me, huh? So you would go into class, and they would say, we're going to have a test today. And what did you say? What test? What, what are you talking about? There's a test? I mean, I, I've often had the dream that I was in college, even now, all these years later. I have this recurring dream that I'm in college, that it's the day of the final, that I go to the class, and for some reason I have forgotten about the class for the whole semester. I have not been there one time, and I'm going, how could I have missed this for a whole semester? What a moron I am. Why wasn't I here? And now I've got to take this final. I don't have a clue what we're talking about. The other <clears throat> recurring nightmare that preachers have is that you forget to, when you had to, you forget to rewind your clock and reset your clock when the time changed, okay? So like the, the whoever did that on Saturday night, they really need to be shot. Because if you're a preacher, it's a real stressful thing because when the time goes forward, see, and you're going to lose an hour, you've got to be ready to preach on Sunday morning. Well, you're already tired, you know, you're trying to get ready. And so it's difficult. So I've often done that. Then the other one is I get to the pulpit and I don't have any of my notes before me, and I can't remember where they are. I can't remember anything I'm supposed to talk about. I don't have a clue. And you say, well, how would that be different from any other Sunday, Joe? <laughs> well, that's a good question. <laughs> 
I'll just wait for you to catch up. That's a good question, isn't it? And so, uh, you know, that happens. What test? And tithing represents a test for every time that we get paid. The test is, who are we going to thank for our income? You see, God really gives us everything that we have. And so we're grateful for that, aren't we? He blesses us and he teaches us to give 10% back so that we'll learn to trust him with that area of our lives. How could we ever love enough? How could we ever forgive enough? But we can give 10%. That's something tangible that we can do to give back to God. Now in Malachi, it says this, for I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Now that's kind of funny to me because what he's saying is there, I don't change and that's why I haven't killed you. See, he says, for you are not consumed. He, you know, he, God taught his people, but they didn't always obey. None of you were applied to this. You always obey, right? But sometimes there are people who don't obey God. And then he goes on and says, Yet from the days of your fathers, <clears throat> you have gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. Remember, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? And God says, you've gone away from my principles. The Bible is filled with God's principles and he teaches us how to live and what to do. And so if we follow those, if we understand them, if we read them, if we practice them, then we're living an obedient life to God. And that's what he's talking about. And he goes on and says, will a man rob God? <coughs> Excuse me, yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me in this now, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will, be, there will not be room enough to receive it. And by the way, the storehouse is defined as the place where we worship, the place where we worship God. And he goes on and says, and I will rebuke the devourer uh, for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, and you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, what he's talking about is blessing his people for being obedient to him and doing what he's calling them to do. Tithing is a principle for God's children to thank God for our income. God says, because you have gone away from my principles, you are under a curse. Now, what is that about? Christians often think that we can't be cursed because Christ bore the curse of the law and sin on the cross. And he did in regards to our salvation, okay? But a curse has a consequence. Now, I want to try to explain this to you. When you were growing up, did you ever disobey your parents? Anybody? Nobody did. Everybody was perfect in here. And then when you did that, they said, well, we can forgive you, but there are still consequences for what you did. Have anybody ever get consequences? Yeah. So when I was growing up, you know, it was give me the keys to the car and you're going to stay home with us for a while, that type of thing, okay? Never, ever did my parents say to me, Joe, You've messed up, and I want you to give me your cell phone. 
Do you know why? Because I didn't have a cell phone. We didn't, they didn't have, so this is right after the earth cooled, okay? There was dirt and then us. So we didn't have cell phones back then. But then when our kids came along, we had to learn, right? Because they got cell phones. So whenever they did something wrong and there were consequences, what would we do? We would say, give me your cell phone, put it in my hot little hand right here. Now bring me your computer. You talk about getting their attention. We had their attention. And now you have to stay home and you can't go anywhere and you can't talk on the landline. We had those back then, the landline. And no one can come to see you and you have to be here. And the only TV you can watch is whatever your mother watches with you. That's what you can watch. And when she goes to choir practice on Wednesday night, guess who gets to go with her, okay? And so every now and then our daughter would say, or whichever one it was, she would look at me and she would say, can I? And she was still grounded. And I would say, was it worth it? No, no, it was not worth it. No, no, it wasn't. But we have consequences, okay? So what if we steal from God? God says, you have stolen from me when you didn't tithe because you set apart the tithe for the house of God so that if you keep it for yourself, you are stealing. Now, the most common excuse I get from people who don't tithe is they say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Stick around. We're going to come back to that in just a few minutes, okay? So why does God instruct us to tithe? Well, first, tithing is a test. It's a test. That's number one. God is testing our hearts. Whenever a person argues about tithing, I think to myself, what's the spirit behind that attitude for them? In other words, what are they thinking that would cause them not to do something God has called them to do? God gave his son for you and me, and yet we won't give him 10%. It's a test of our heart. If we love God, we can show God. Do you ever buy things for people you love? You got a girlfriend? Got a boyfriend? You ever get him anything? And don't be breaking up right before Christmas. I know that old game, okay? We're going to date. We're going to break up right before Christmas. And then January, we're going to have an epiphany, and we're going to get back together, right? Because you're too cheap to buy a Christmas gift. Not that that's ever happened, but it could, okay? <clears throat> well, the word tithe in the Bible actually means a tenth, a tenth part. And here's why we choose 10%. First, God chose a percentage so that it would be fair to everyone. If you give 10%, that's 10% of whatever you get. So everybody has whatever amount they get, 10% of that. It's different for different people. Second, the number 10 in the Bible has rich symbolic significance associated with testing. So I want you to help me out. We're going to take a little test now. Are you ready? Is everyone awake? Look at the person next to you and say, stop yawning. No, I'm joking. Just look at the person next to you and say, are you awake? Okay, so we're going to take a test. So when I ask you the question, you tell me the answer, right? Okay, here we go. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. See, I just told you we're going to talk about ten. Okay, work with me here. Okay, how many commandments are there? Ten. Right, good. That's good. See, they knew the commandments. I like that, okay? How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Ten. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? Ten. How many disciples are there? See, 
I was just testing you there. Just want to make sure that you got it right and you passed. Now, tithing represents a key test for us as God's children, but it also represents a test for God. So Malachi, God says this in the book of Malachi, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. Now, this is the only place in the Bible where God tells us to try or to test him about something like this. The word try comes from the way that you test gold. It's purified. God says, test me and see if I am pure. In other words, why would God hurt us? Why would God tell us something that was not good for us? What, what possible motive? God can't do that. And so he's saying, just try what I'm asking you to do. I want to open up the windows of heaven for you. But it all depends on whether you believe. Now listen to this, and I want you to think about this. Whether you believe that 90% of what you receive with God's blessing will go farther than 100% without God's blessing. Think about that. Well, I really don't want to go without God's blessing, do I? And he gives me 100%. And he could ask for 90% back, but he only asked for 10. So I guess I'll give him what he asked for because it's the fair thing to do. People say, well, that's just Old Testament. But those principles are principles under the law that we should still follow, okay? In Galatians, it says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus bore our sins on the cross, right? And, he, and we're forgiven because of that. Yet, it was, the it was still possible to experience the effects of the curse, even if Christ took those effects fully upon himself. Now, here's why. Because we have to take possession of our faith in Jesus Christ. We have to accept Jesus Christ. We, if we're not Christians, we can't expect to live under the principles of Christian people because we don't have that relationship with God. And so we have to accept him as our savior. And when we don't do that, we, we continue to experience the effects of the curse. In other words, the negative consequences of sin. If we don't know Jesus, if we haven't been forgiven for our sins, then there are consequences. And Jesus is the only one who can pay for our sins. Now that truth that I've just shared also applies to our finances. If we don't tithe, then our finances are subject to a curse. The Ten Commandments are the foundation of the Old Covenant Law. We've talked about that in the last series. The Old Covenant Law that God made with Abraham, I'm going to make a nation from your descendants. But when Jesus came along, he had the New Covenant. It's a relational covenant. He says, my kingdom is not like any other kingdom. It's a kingdom of the heart. You can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But now, if you murder someone today, do you still have consequences? Wait a minute, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Does that apply to today? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. 
Okay, thou shalt not commit adultery under the law. That's the Old Testament. Well, if you commit adultery, are you going to have consequences? Yes. Thou shalt not steal under the law. But if you steal, do you still have consequences today? Yes. So do you see how that works? And even though Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, consequences remain if we don't practice God's principles. Now, the second thing is tithing is biblical. That's good enough right there. If I just told you it was in the Bible, that'd be enough. But let's talk about it. If you don't tithe, I'm not saying you're a bad person. Look at the person next to you and say, you are a good person. Go ahead and tell them that right now. They'll feel better. But a lot of people don't believe in tithing because of the old covenant law was replaced with the new covenant of Jesus. Yes, tithing, tithing is a part of the law. However, the Bible shows that the principle of the tithe existed hundreds of years before the law existed, okay? So what I want you to catch here is that they were practicing tithing even before the law came into being. In Genesis, the 14th chapter, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought uh, out bread and wine, it says. He was the priest of God, most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God, most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. So we see that Abraham is giving a tithe that he has gained from battle. He's giving that back to Melchizedek, and it's about 500 years before the law. And then in Genesis, it goes on. It talks about Jacob, and it says, And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Jacob gave back to God a tenth of all of his increase 400 years before the law. Leviticus, it says, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It's set apart for him. Deuteronomy says, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. In other, other words, the place where you worship. Tithing was a clear biblical principle long before the law, but the Old Testament, the New Testament also mentions it. In Hebrews, the seventh chapter, it says, here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So when you put your tithe in the box or the basket or whatever we use, and now we've got a little box in the back or a basket as you go out, then what we're saying is that heaven receives that. You see, I'm giving God my tithe through the storehouse, the place where I worship him, and then I may give above and beyond that with my own gifts and offerings. Now, the third and the last thing is tithing is a blessing. It's real simple. Even though people were in economic recession, Hezekiah instructed them to tithe. It says in 2 Chronicles, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. 
Remember, Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And they were talking about natural and spiritual food there. When you come to church, do you enjoy the spiritual food that you give? Yeah, that's why you come. That's one of the reasons you're worshiping God. Well, did you know that someone is paying for that? God commands his people to tithe. And with our obedience comes a blessing. The place where we receive our spiritual food is the place where we give God his tithe. You would never go to a restaurant, eat a meal, and then leave without paying for it. Unless you're Katie Winton. Katie Winton, Katie Winton has been known, she's a member of our staff, she has been known to go through the drive-thru and get food. And then she realized that she didn't have her wallet with her. And now she's stuck, she can't get out, you know, she's right there. And she's at the drive-thru window and she says, I know you're probably not gonna believe this, but I don't have any money. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I have money, I just didn't bring my wallet. I thought I had my wallet, I don't have my wallet, which is a pretty slick trick if you ask me. <laughs> and you know what those sweet people over there at Hardy said? It's okay, just take it, honey. We'll pay for it for you. Well, she had to go back to the restaurant and she had to pay them for it. So you wouldn't do that unless you're Katie Winton, right? Well, and that's the way it is. The place where we receive our spiritual food is the place where we pay our tithes. And so, yet people don't give the tithe to the church. They eat the spiritual meal without paying the bill. Now, the tithe allows the church time to prepare the spiritual meals that we all need. I don't preach on tithing because the church needs money. I do it to help you. Somebody taught me about it when I was 21 years old. I came down here from Tennessee to Niceville, Florida. I went to work at the Methodist Church in Niceville, First Methodist. There was a preacher there and there was a layman there. They sat me down and they began to explain to me what a tithe was. I didn't know that. And they said, now from that whopping $700 you're making a month, you need to tithe and give back to God. Well, my dad and my brother are the accountants, so they had to help me with that a little bit. But we moved over that decimal point and son of a gun, I was able to give $70 as a tithe back to God way back when I was 21 years old. So all of my adult life, somebody taught me and I've always done that. And boy, do I regret all that money I've given to God. I'm really ticked off about it and I want a refund, right? You know, God has blessed me so abundantly. It was really easy for me to tithe on $700 because, you know, I make a little bit more. Now I get $50 a week and all the bread I can eat. That's what I get. No, I don't. But anyway, it would be harder. And so I say to you, you know, if you've never done it, just start where you are. Just, just decide, I want to give. Now, here's what happens. Two things happen. When people, when I start talking to them about this, they say, well, okay, I want to do that. Um, but first of all, did you just make this up? Is this just a scheme you came up with? And I say, no, you can say no to Joe anytime you want to, but you have to say yes to Jesus. So if it's in the Bible, I'm just in sales. I'm not in management. Take it up with the Lord, okay? It's up to him. It's his word. Good luck with that if you don't want to do what he says. Let me know how that goes. He may take your car keys. I don't know what's going to happen. 
But God wants to change our lives. He wants to change our family, our finances, our marriages. He wants to change our children and grandchildren. He wants to change us. And so we learn to grow and have a relationship with him. And so I, I learned to do that. And I'm so grateful for that. And I've never regretted it. And then in 2 Chronicles, it says the king Hezekiah sends out a commandment. And he says, we're to tithe to the house of God the third month of the harvest. And then the seventh month, there's another harvest. And the king comes to visit. Now, Hezekiah comes comes to visit and he goes, wow, I can't believe how much these people have given because he told them to tithe. And they've given so much, he asked the people who are receiving it there, he said, are these people doing okay? Have they got enough to live on? Have, have they given too much? And this is the reply. God blessed his people when they started obeying him. So you don't say, God, if you'll bless me, then I'll tithe. It doesn't work that way. It's backwards. You say, God, I'm so grateful for everything you've given me, and I'm going to give the tithe first. And then I'm just going to thank you for the way you bless me. And if you've already got a budget and you don't know how to do that, just start out with whatever you want to give. People, the other question, they would come to me, and they would do this. They would, they would come and wave the white flag. Okay, you've been preaching this, and we figured out it wasn't just your idea. It really is in the Bible. You didn't just make it up and add those verses into the Bible. So now that you've told us this, we really have to do it, I guess. And so here's what we want to know. How? How do we do it? And I said, well, first of all, what percentage do you give God? And I said, don't tell me. But what percentage do you give God? Now, you know what they all say? I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, that's the first place we're going to start. Determine what you want to give and give that percentage, whatever percentage it is. And give it, as the Bible says, God loves a grudging giver, right? That's the way, is that the way it works? Oh, cheerful, excuse me, I got that. I was a little confused. God loves a cheerful giver. And so you give it, and you celebrate, and if it's 2% or 1% or 20%, whatever it is, do it and celebrate. Don't do it for me. Do it because you want to be obedient to God. And then just watch your budget. Just work on it. Just take care of things. And then just increase it. Now, I've taught this over the years to people. And because of that, they've learned to do it. One guy, this is the truth. When I first went to Navarre, Florida, I was teaching this. And this guy came up to me and he said, huh, I never knew that. He said, my approach to giving to God was like this. I take all my money. I throw it up in the air. Whatever falls to the ground is mine. Whatever God keeps is what he gets, okay? And he just didn't know any better. And so I talked, you know, that guy started giving. Then he learned to tithe. Then he came to me and he started giving above and beyond the tithe, the gifts and offerings. Then he asked me, can I get up in church and tell people what a blessing this has been? And I said, well, I normally don't do this. But since it's you, I'll let you talk about and give a testimony for tithing. Actually, I was delighted. Because you know what? His friends got to hear him say it. And they knew that he went from not doing it to doing it. And he said, you know, I wish I'd done this years ago. I don't know anybody who started doing it who said, boy, it's the biggest mistake that I ever made. And so what we learn is there are two types of testimonies from tithing. There are people who, who tithe who consistently say, I am so blessed, and it all began when I started tithing. And then non-tithers always say, I can't afford to tithe. Well, let me, let me just tell you something. Listen to me. You will never be able to afford to tithe. 
You couldn't afford to have kids when you had them. Did that keep you from having them? Well, we've got them now. I don't guess we can send them back. What are we going to do with them, you know? We've got to work on our budget and figure out a way to take care of them now. And so you did. And what happens is that you start working and being very specific about your budget so that you're able to do that and be faithful. And when you tithe, it breaks that curse and it rebukes the devourer. As soon as you get ahead in life, if you're not tithing, something's going to break, right? And you're just going to go, I can't get a break in life because the devourer does it. But tithing rebukes it. Okay, what if Jesus said, I'm going away for a while. While I'm gone, I want you to take care of my wife. Think about this. I'm going to give you $1,000, just as Jesus talking to you. I'm going to give you $1,000 every week. And I want you to give 10% of that, $100, to my wife to take care of her while I'm gone. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you do it? I mean, he gave you $1,000. He's only asking for 100 back. What are you going to say? No, he could say, I'll tell you what, you keep the 100 and give me the rest of it back. But he doesn't say that. Now, let me ask you this. I want you to think about this. Think about what you're going to do and how Jesus is going to face you. How would Jesus see a person who did what he asked them to do for his wife? How do you think he would look at you when you did that? How would he perceive you? How would you feel about it? What about a person who didn't just give 10%, but they gave a little bit extra? How would Jesus look at that? How would that make you feel? What do you think? What about the person who gave less than Jesus asked him to give, or they didn't give anything at all? How do you think Jesus feels about that? Well, the church is the bride of Christ. This is more personal to Jesus than you may think. He wants to provide for you and me. But why would he provide for us and bless us if we're not concerned about his wife? It's a test for us to be faithful and obedient to him. Obeying God's word through tithing breaks the curse, and it invites blessings and provision for our lives and finances. It's a test, and here's what I want to ask you. Will you pass the test? Don't forget about the test. Don't show up for the final and go, oh, oh yeah, I was supposed to be here all semester. I forgot to come to class. I should have been studying all this time. Will you pass the test? Because I share this for your benefit. I share it for you. Because those two people taught me, and I, I'm very, very thankful that they did. You know, you learn to trust God in that area of your life. That's the whole reason he wants you to do it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.